all know that, that the technical side is very advanced right now, so the technology is there, but it's very much also about the cultural environment. Do we have a culture that is inspiring for people to interact? And it's also very much about the physical environment. So to me, it's all three dimensions that would make up the employee experience. There's so much potential, and so much of it really has nothing to do with technology. I mean, something just as simple or as basic as being able to find information when you need it at the moment and time that you need it, mm. and um, making sure that you're able to identify what is it that people are trying to find, and how can you make it easier to get to that information quickly. Hello, I'm Paul Miller and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group. So today's episode is a very exciting one. It's a first for the podcast. Uh, it was recorded live in front of a studio audience in Chicago at the Radisson Aqua Blue Hotel. Uh, my guests are Kate Herrick, who works for Richemont and does things to do with the digital workplace there. Morten Dahl, who's in charge of communications at Pandora, based in Denmark. And Karen Downs, who leads internet and knowledge management for H&R Block. And I had Kate, Morton, and Karen on stage in Chicago during Digital Workplace Experience at lunchtime on the uh, first day of the conference. And it was a really uh, superb experience. I much enjoyed having the tangible experience of having an audience there. And the audience seemed to enjoy it as well. So without further ado, I give you... Karen, Kate and Morton and our topic which is why experience is the heartbeat of a modern digital workplace. Welcome everybody um, who's here for the first live recording, live studio recording of the Digital Workplace Impact podcast. Um, this is a real treat for me because we've done I think 26, 27 episodes of the podcast. Usually I'm doing them sitting in my garden office, remotely talking to somebody or at uh, Lord's Cricket Ground or Formula One racing tracks or Vodafone. But it's fantastic to be here at Digital Workplace Impact, um, the Digital Workplace Experience Conference, to host this live recording. And um, the topic for us today... Um, is one that I think hopefully resonates with everybody here on the stage and also people in the audience, and it's why experience is the heartbeat of a modern digital workplace. And I know that's a topic that's been coming up over the last two days. Just to kind of set the scene, we're at the Radisson Aqua Blue Hotel in beautiful Chicago. It's been extremely hot here, I think we'd all agree. Um, cooled down a little bit lately. And I'm delighted to be joined on the stage by my three guests today. Um, Kate Herrick, um, who leads the digital workplace implementation at Richemont, um, covering strategy, collaboration activities for Richemont North America. 
Um, Kate became an avid usability advocate in 2001, when despite a complete lack of scientific knowledge, she applies user-centered design principles to create an award-winning lab instrument touchscreen for Perkin Elmer. And since then, Kate's empathy for people and passion for technology has inspired her to create experiences for diverse applications, audiences, and industries. And Kate and I could talk about digital workplace, or we could talk about tennis, both of which <laughs> we completely love, and we're very <laughs> sorry that we haven't got a match while we're here. Um, my other guest today is Morton Dahl, and Morton is the internal communications manager at Pandora, a brand that uh, many people will know, an experienced corporate communications manager, and together with his team, a winner of three global awards in London, Berlin, and Sydney for best worldwide digital workspace transformation and global people engagement. He has more than 15 years of global corporate communications and leadership development experience and has worked in industries such as biotech, food and beverages, insurance and banking. And my third guest uh, is Karen Downs. Um, Karen is at H&R Block. She leads the internet and knowledge management teams there and has uh, been involved in this field for two decades. Um, it's the world's largest tax services provider with approximately 12,000 company-owned franchise locations. Um, she looks after the HR block intranet, documents and news applications and serves more than 90,000 full-time associates. So it's fantastic to have you all here. And, and you know, as I say, the, the topic is why experience is the heartbeat of a modern digital workplace. So, so perhaps can I just start with you, Morton, and ask you, um, there's a lot of talk about employee experience or even digital employee experience. But what, what does that t term mean for you? Well, I would say that uh, I would uh, link it to the, the, the uh, bus about customer experience. Many organizations are linking all what they do to the experience they give customers. And I think there's a similar link to, to employee experience. What is it that the experience employees, new employees get when they start in a company and they interact with their colleagues? So in my mind, and also from the inspiration I've got from this uh, conference, I think it would be very much centering around the technical environment I mean, we all know that, that the technical side is very advanced right now, so the technology is there. But it's very much also about the cultural environment. Do we have a culture that is inspiring for people to interact? And it's also very much about the physical environment. So to me, it's all three dimensions that would make up the employee experience. Mm, mm. And, and Karen, I mean, do you think that, that I mean, it's, it's quite typical to talk about the external experience of customers and saying we need to have that for employees. Is that always the case? I mean, do we sort of, I mean, in a way, organizations are providing um, fantastic experiences for people on a consumer level, but is it right that employees should expect the same quality? Or could, could we get away with less? I, I think philosophically, yes, absolutely. I think that our employees deserve every bit as much attention and thought that we put into customer experience. Um, the difference is that we get to a reality of funding, and 
um, how much funding can we really afford to put toward employee experience versus customer experience. They're never going to be equal. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't put the same depth of thought to it, and it doesn't mean that we can't um, just dig in and be a little bit more innovative with the tools that we have. Mm. Yeah, and, and um, I always remember, Kate, that, that uh, having a conversation with a large oil company, and I said, well, is this new program, digital work, workplace program, going to be for everybody? And they said, no, it's, it's going to be for 20,000 people. The other 60,000, we don't really, they're not too fussed about. Mm. And, and, and that's a kind of attitude, isn't it, that, that it, it sort of offends me when organizations don't include everybody inside the organization. Absolutely. Or sometimes I've seen cases even in my organization where there's a tool that's very capable of delivering information and transparency and so forth, but the group that controls it will only allow a small part to be accessible by other people. So it's very frustrating sometimes, and it's almost worse than not doing it because mm. somebody has access to information you need, but they're really guarding it closely. So Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, it's kind of culturally sort of offensive, isn't it? Because it creates this, this sort of digital divide. Right. You know, and yeah. it, it, it's, I mean, I don't know whether you found this in your business, uh, Morton, that, that obviously you've got retail environments. And the people in retail environments, the frontline staff, will be considered sort of, well, they're less important. But I, I'm presuming at Pandora that's not the case. Exactly, that's not the case. I set that up brilliant, didn't you? <laughs> I think so. I, I think I have a few points to, to, to make here. So first of all, um, I think you have to fit the digital work experience to, to, uh, to the people in your company. So it's not one size fits all. So for instance, uh, retail uh, shop staff, they don't have access to a computer when they are in the shop. So therefore, what we do is that we serve information on a tablet, or they will go to the store manager who has the information. So uh, in that way, we try to tailor our information to, to what devices they have in the shop. Another example would be that in, in the, uh, in the um, case of Pandora, we have like 13,000 craftsmen sitting in Thailand, and uh, they are not using computers when mm. they're crafting the, the jewelry. So what we have uh, developed for them is that they use their mobile device. They mm. have an app where they can see news, they can register time. Um, but they also have, we have also uh, created a, a local TV station. and local also a TV radio station? TV station okay. and also a radio station. So in that sense, it's kind of fitting to the environment. How can you actually share information the best way while people are crafting jewelry uh, in, in the uh, crafting facility. Mm. So it's kind of a how about to fit the, the uh, communication devices to, to your audience, to your colleagues. And that's a really interesting idea. And, and um, I, I mean, I know uh, Richemont has many well-known brands. Um, uh, you know, the idea that you're sort of, in a way, seeing where, the, where, the, where people are and thinking what's a kind of suitable experience. I, I know that Starbucks have had a lot of success with Workplace by Facebook. Um, and, and providing information to people on their on their mobile devices. What's what's the kind of approach that is there a Richemont approach to that? Okay, we're working on that right now. Uh, bringing your own device is something that's been discussed lately. Right now, I think that that's really an area for more improvement because the people in our warehouse and our watchmakers in Dallas. We have about 60 watchmakers, as well as um, a watchmaking school. 
So all of those people really only have access to a shared kiosk. However, if I go down there, I see so much information posted on bulletin boards. So I think there's definitely a lot of When you of say bulletin boards, what, what do you mean? Like the cork ones you stick tax like into. Like cork. Yes. <laughs> a fiscal one? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So right. there's really a lot. In fact, we recently upgraded a process where people were t- taking inventory, literally writing it in big leather journals. Right. Like, no, this is a lovely kind of um, uh, image I've got. I've got the 13,000 craftsmen in Thailand making jewellery and the, the watchmakers. Um, the, the, you know, so you've got these artisans and craftsmen inside the organisation. Are they, are they asking for um, or expecting things to come in a different kind of digital workplace favour, would you say? I would say that... that uh all people in this company and all over the world, they, they on, on a private note, they are using social media. So I think mm. you can gradually tap into that. That's kind of also what Pandora did in Thailand. So everyone has a, a, a mobile device. Mm. So why not start using that to, to, uh, to transform into the digital age? So, so I think that's kind of one first step mm. to do it. Okay. And, and Karen, at HR Block, have you got craftsmen crafting insurance? And financial services products? We do. What's, what's your equivalent? Uh, uh, I, I'm not sure how to answer your question. Okay. Well, I suppose what I'm thinking is, is, is are there, I suppose if you think about the craftsmen making the, uh, the jewellery, the watches, who are the people who are kind of providing that yeah. kind of magic ingredient for, for yeah. HR Block and, and how are they being served? Yeah. I'll try to make the question a little bit more serious. Yeah, for, for us it's, it's about our, our tax pros are mm. at, the, at the center and um, our intranet is very focused on delivering experiences for tax pros to help them be efficient in delivering service in the tax office. Mm-hmm. And would, do you have any um, strong examples of where you think, um, Karen, that there's been impressive employee experiences in action yeah. in, in HR, H&R Block? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, something just as simple or as basic as being able to find information when you need it at the moment and time that you need it mm. and um, making sure that you're able to identify what is it that people are trying to find and how can you make it easier to get to that information quickly? Hmm. Do you have a view on why the um, why experience seems to have become the the kind of the, the, the current word? And obviously, it's a term we've given to this conference: digital workplace experience. Why why is that word sort of so kind of present at the yeah. moment? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with um, how digital everything has become. And so, for example, with H&R Block, we're, a, we're an older company, been around since 1955, um, has always had an in-person tax, assisted tax experience. And right now we find ourselves in a, in a world where more and more people are moving over to do it yourself through online kind of scenarios. Um, and that's, I mean, that's something that we have to adjust and adapt to. We have to, um, you know, build out that value proposition that if you're going to do it yourself, use our do-it-yourself product. Because by the way, if you run into problem, you can just run down the street and go in and talk with a mm. with a tax associate. Yeah. And 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 Morton, do you have some examples of 
of where employee experience has really worked? I mean, you've already mentioned um, one or two of them. Are other things that come to mind for you? <clears throat> well, the, the first that comes to mind would be actually the way we kind of saw people engage in the new digital workspace, because that would be a global thing mm. that all our colleagues would have to welcome the new mm. digital workspace. They would have to do a lot of work to become part of it. So, so uh, I, I would say that the enthusiasm we saw around people um, engaging around the new digital workspace because they needed it, mm. that was a, a really strong experience. Uh, and I, I think that some of the people who shared our workshop or presentation yesterday could really see and feel how mm. much people took it in, how mm. much they wanted it. So there was this kind of can-do attitude sure. that really uh, showed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Kate, I mean, one of the things that's come up as a kind of theme over the last um, three days has been, has been everybody sees the importance of digital workplace and digital experiences, but you know, there's a theme around leadership not providing the, the right level of support. Mm -hmm. uh, but all the evidence is, and I was um, talking to Alan McGinty from, from Cisco today, and, and all the evidence is that, that the actual business financial returns are huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was saying that, that the Cisco was generating revenue savings of about $860 million a year from some of their digital workplace investments. But why is it, do you think, that, that at a leadership level, there's still often not that level of real commitment and investment? Hmm. Well, I suppose it's not always easy because it's their new models oftentimes these are new concepts they're sometimes difficult to to quantify because it's it's really comparing where you are today to a future state that you haven't experienced so it's almost like you need to project and imagine what the benefits would be in some cases but we recently had a very successful project it's called dare for digital advanced retail experience Mm -hmm. So it's we just completed phase one in North America, but it involves rolling out completely new upgrades and new Surface tablets to all of our boutiques in the country. Right. But the challenge is because we don't want to disrupt operations or sales, we have to wait till business closes for the day and then like elves come in during the night and then the next morning it's a whole different world. <laughs> even, um, even when it's not Christmas. <laughs> right. And that was particularly challenging in Las Vegas because boutiques close at midnight there. So right. they really had to and work double time. AM. <laughs> they had to get the quick elves in there. Yeah. But we recently made a video about that project and it was right. really interesting because it also required new ways of working because mm. there, it was so challenging. They had to really work with people that they normally wouldn't have, and people who normally have nothing to do with installing the um, the systems and changing out furniture, all kinds of things. And even with our global team, you know, changing like authorizations and setting up new users and software. So there were so many moving parts that had to work together. And in interviewing people about the project, they said it really changes the way that they will do projects going forward. It's created more collaboration. And, and where did the kind of conviction and commitment to, to embark on something like that come from within Richemont? Well, it came at the top. We do have a very proactive global team, and it's always been their, their real objective to be cutting edge, 
it's a very competitive industry, as you can imagine, so that really is something that's at the forefront. Mm. But executing is a whole different matter. Mm. So we had strong support and leadership, both at the global and regional level. Mm. We have very good and, people. And what are the results? Have you got results from this, this change? I, I don't have numbers yet on that, but it's something that really is, is mandatory, I think, to upgrade everything and set things up for the next generation. Mm. So um, one quick thing I do want to say, though, about yeah. employee experience, I think it often can help or hurt other aspects of the workplace. So one of the applications we did a few years back when we implemented SharePoint, we have an employee sales program that we're mm. in charge of, which is probably the most popular thing in the company because you can buy great things at reduced prices. Sure. So it was often done through email and spreadsheets or word of mouth. There was real no there was no way for people to know what we had or what was available to them. So we created a site and it's like a traditional e commerce site. So there's one site where there's an approval workflow for regular sales and special sales. They can go on, they can see images of products and buy them. And that really has generated a lot of sales in that space. And people love this benefit. It's often one of the most popular aspects of working for the company because it's an easy experience. Mm. And it's often, um, isn't it, um, Karen, the, the, the need to bring that kind of convenient access to things that matter for people inside an organization. What are the kind of, uh, are there uh, specific things that people really like to have happen easily inside H&R Block? Yeah, something we did earlier this year was to make it super easy for associates to be able to share news articles, in, internally written news articles with the external world. Mm. So from a news article that they're reading on the homepage of our intranet, they can you know, click to share it with their network, just a single click. Um, it doesn't take time out of their day or, or that kind of thing. Mm, that's great. And one of the things I've, I've been kind of um, having spoken to a lot of organizations here, and it, it's almost like not, not so much to do with the digital workplace, but I can't believe a time when I've experienced so many organizations looking at really quite profound changes in their own way of staying relevant as organizations. And I don't know if that's true inside... H&R Block? Yeah. yeah. How, do, how does that manifest itself then? Um, I, you know, we are just right on the front of getting ready to go through some cultural shift. We have a new leadership team in place currently. Um, and I think for us it's going to be all about building on you know, this internet program that we have from an employee perspective and increasing the connectivity between this system and other systems, making that as easy as possible. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure within Pandora that's, that's true as well. It's, it just feels like uh, every organization in every sector is saying, you know, is anybody going to want to buy things off us in the 2020s? And, and is there any guarantee of this? And if you're complacent at all, then, then, you know, don't be surprised if things don't quite go your way. How does, how do, how does Pandora keep a culture of, of well, relevance? Well, I, I would say that, to begin to, to, to you mentioning how the company stays relevant, mm. I would say that, uh, you know, disruption is, is a key word for, for the company and for many companies, mm. uh, that your industry is being disrupted. And you're also seeing that, uh, that you have to speed up uh, mm. your processes 
And that's mm. kind of where the digital workspace can help people mm. because you can work together in a more smart and efficient way. Mm. Um, that's one important aspect, I think, of, of the digital workspace experience. And uh, you mentioned sometimes uh, top management is not that keen to do that investment. Mm. Uh, from my experience, I've, I've seen that they are keen to do the investment in the hardware, right. but not the adoption part. And that's where the experience comes into right. the picture, that you have developed the technology, mm. you have empowered people to use it, but, but if you don't kind of instruct people, train people, do a bit of marketing to mm. show them what's in it for them, mm. then, um, then you, you're not able to really make the best use of, of the digital workspace. Mm. Then it's not an experience. Yeah. Then it's only an app. And, and, and Kate, I mean, that's, well, why is that? Why is it that people are quite happy to shell out an awful lot of money on the, t the hardware, as Morton says, but the, the, the change management, the culture change, the adoption, the implementation, mm -hmm. the hand-holding? Yes, because it's tangible. You can have a spreadsheet and you can have, be mm. very easily see how much So it's a kind of lazy cost. leadership. Well, I think in a way, too, there is some misconceptions about what that is, I think so much really is about user-centric design mm. and making something usable. And I, I did have this discussion with our global team when they rolled out the internet and just expected regions to just adopt it. But And they said, we've invested so much in this, why don't you just use it? And I said, well, then you should invest a little bit more for resources that will allow us to really promote it, market mm. it, leverage mm -hmm. it. So it's been four years, but finally now we do have that, that ability, I think, to see that. Mm. So it is starting. But I think you need to provide stories. You need to really somehow illustrate that, whether it's video, video, videoing people or, mm. or really just showing it in very human terms what that means. It's, mm. it's difficult to just explain. It, 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 is, it is the stories that really make an impact and, you know, different things you know, sort of stay, stay with you. So the story that stayed with me was from a previous podcast where I interviewed Neil Barnett, who runs technology at Heathrow Airport, which I think is the busiest airport in Europe. And they wanted to follow people doing their day-to-day -day jobs. There's 90,000 people work there. And, and so he was at night going down the runway with the guys who actually fixed the runway so when the planes stop flying, somebody goes down, you know, fixes the holes in the runway. And what he discovered was the thing that they really wanted was the ability to swap shifts with colleagues so that they could go to their kids' performances or do something with their parents. And, and so that's the application that they've been developing. So it really doesn't change the job. The runway still gets fixed and it is what it is. And there are probably other things that they could provide. But it really kind of showed me that once you dig into the sort of detail of, of people's day-to-day -day experiences, yes. trying to address those things is, is... Yes, and you have to be there. You have to watch what they do because yeah. people aren't always aware of it. Yeah. That's happened over and over. I've yeah. seen that. No, I, I remember um, there was a, a healthcare chain in, in a private healthcare, Bupa, um, in, in the UK. And this is going back a little while, and they decided they would follow the nurses and doctors mm -hmm. to find out where technology could help them. And it's probably about 10 years ago. And actually, they discovered it really couldn't because the technology wasn't good enough to not be actually intrusive. Mm -hmm. You know, things have obviously changed an awful lot then. 
since then. Um, I mean, and do you do that within H&R Block? Do you kind of try and understand the, the sort of day-to-day detail of what people are, are doing and, and, and any examples of yes. things you've, you've <laughs> fixed? I'm always looking for examples. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, well, first of all, I think it's really important to you know, establish a baseline and understand what the current experience is from the user's perspective. Um, and then follow that up with actually going out, you know, to observe these systems in the wild, um, you know, walk into the tax office mm. in our case and, um, you know, observe people working if you can and if, if you need to have, you know, questions, tasks available for them so that you can, mm. you know, watch them completing those tasks and identify opportunities to improve. One example I shared yesterday was... Um, going into the tax office and understanding that, you know, our, our, a lot of our tax professionals are second career people, um, older, and um, oftentimes, you know, wearing these, uh, these reader glasses, and um, noticing that they're bumping their font size or their screen size up, you know, from 100% to 125 or even mm. 150, and realizing that maybe there's more that we can do to adjust the font size on the way that it's displayed originally mm. um, to make that easier. Mm. And it's, it is. It's those kind of simple things. Si- yeah. simple things. I mean, do, do, do you all feel that we're seeing the kind of boundaries between internal and external collaboration starting to, to blur? And, and, and is that affecting the way that you're approaching things? Yeah, yeah, I would say it's very uh, right in front of us at Pandora because um, um, we have a lot of collaboration with our stores. Mm. Uh, many stores are not fully owned, so there will be franchisees. So with the new digital workspace, we have opened up for collaboration for, for external franchisees, mm. but also for, for people in Pandora working with external consultants so that they can team up in project sites and so, mm. so that they kind of get access to the information and, and folders that they need to collaborate. So I would say on the collaboration part, it, it's a, a huge demand, and, and we have start rolling on, mm. on that route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kate? It is a very, very big demand, and we, we really need to do that better. We do have uh, this tool where you can share f- large files, but it's so clunky. It has to be much more seamless, but that's probably the most requested feature that we still aren't providing. But we, we do have a lot of requests from our legal department. From We have um, this, this group called Laureus. They do charitable events and things like that. So all of their work is really with externals. And sometimes there's this overriding concern, and rightly so, with security. But sometimes it really can prevent things from progressing the way they need to. So that's something I know there's a big demand for. I mean, and when you think about it, I mean, the, the, the whole focus on digital workplaces is, is, is a fascinating area to be in. Because if, if every organization is getting disrupted, unsettled, having to look at relevance, one of the things that, that can adapt is the way that people work internally, how processes happen, how people are engaged. And it's, it's, it's really a kind of change agent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to say, you know, that every organization gets the intranet it deserves. Every organization gets the digital workplace. It sort of holds a mirror up. And um, have you got any examples of things that have really not worked? Any really awful, catastrophic failures of digital workplace initiatives that you tried that, that really 
where it all kind of fell apart? Anything, you wouldn't have had anything like that in your career? Um, Well, I I mean, I've been at this a long time. And so, I mean, (laughs) one of the... One of the early things, um, this would have been still back in the early 2000s, uh, the company I was with made the decision to buy a case-based reasoning tool to assist um, representatives talking on the phone. Mm. And um, this was brought in in an effort to replace a traditional human help desk where Mm. you would call to talk to someone on the phone. it was a multi-million dollar project, mm. and within three years, it had utterly failed. We completely mm. um, disin, you know, unplugged it. Um, and but what we had was great content, and so we, you know, we ended up scraping together what we could, and you know, building menus and search to get associates to the content. Um, mm. That was. Uh, it was a pretty big failure. <laughs> yeah, and and what do you think that's down to? What's what's what was the mistake? I that think was it made? came down to not paying attention to listening to the associates on the front line. I mean, bringing in a big idea is one thing, but putting it in front of your associates and and um, observing how they're actually working, um, I, I think it could have been identified mm. well in advance. Mm. So. And, and, and Kay, is this, is this a field... I mean, you're, you, I've spoken to you quite a bit, so I know that you're really passionate about this field. Mm. What, what, what is it that sort of drives you? Why, why, why do you get excited about what you can do in this area? Because there's so much potential, and so much of it really has nothing to do with technology. It's really, the bottom line is, user experience or employee experience. And there have just been so many times in, in my work where you can make such a big difference with such a small thing. For example, I worked for this water utility company and they were trying to improve their performance in their core business processes and one of the areas was that it was the final bill. So when a customer moved, changed residence, they had to generate a final water bill and they found if they didn't send it in time, the customer had already moved, and then there was almost no chance it would ever get paid. Mm. And the industry average was something like two or three minutes turnaround time, and ours was like 12 to 15 minutes. And they had all these software engineers come in and talk about new programs and all kinds of things. And then finally, I went and sat with the person, and I realized what was costing the most time was toggling between all of these different application she needed to do the calculation so i said would you like a second monitor and she said yes and <laughs> just having dual monitors had such a significant improvement mm. so things like that it's just often just the human element mm. of it mm. and i like helping people especially ones who are often overlooked you know they're on the you know back office and um yeah, and going there is golden. And sometimes it's fun and amusing. Mm. I went to visit a boutique, and a lot of them were just kind of leery of anything to do with technology. S- selling what? It was um, one of the boutiques for, for the watches and jewelry. Okay. So I went into the back office, and it's beautiful. The boutiques are gorgeous, but the back office, it's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. And there was some printing machine, and they had instructions posted, and it said, you have to put it in the freezer. And they literally thought they had to put this machine in the freezer for it to work for a certain period of time. <laughs> it's like the dark arts. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and Morton, what what's, what's excites you most about the work that you do? 
I think it's the people part mm-hmm. that that uh, interacting with people, connecting with people, mm. and actually engaging people. So I think the people part is the most interesting. Mm. Although it's very much about the tech part, yeah. because the technology is there, but but actually engaging people—that's exciting. I mm. think that's really exciting. Great. When we get it right, when we put a solution in place that that it really works, we really make the day-to-day work lives of over a hundred thousand associates mm. better, and. That's what's in it for me. Yeah, I mean, and when you think about it, if you look at the collective employee numbers of the organizations at at this event, and there's probably about 400 people here, um, you know, that's millions and millions of of individuals being affected. And the extent to which you improve their working lives affects their families, affects affects people around them. Um, It really does does make a difference. I think one of the things I like about um, the current wave of, of... evolution in the digital workplace is, is the inclusion of the digitally excluded, mm-hmm. you know, the digitally kind of uh, relegated people inside mm-hmm. organizations. I think when you can fundamentally include everybody inside the organization and the digital world has the ability to include people equally, I think it's, it's, um, it's a very profound thing. We've often said to people, you know, if you're opening a new physical HQ, open up a digital HQ because everybody can get to that. Um, well, it's been fantastic talking to you all and it's been really a thrill to have the first live episode here so thank you for for doing this so um, thank you so much Kate Herrick from uh, Richemont and um, also to Karen Downs from H&R Block and to Morton Dahl from Pandora and um, it's great to have you on the podcast today thank you thank you Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. If you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com and thank you for listening.